is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This country is celebrating its birthday coming up tomorrow. And uh, since 1776, the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, you know, every year we set aside this day, this weekend, to celebrate that, and rightly so. I think every country has their own festivals, their own times of rejoicing, and it's an important thing, an important reminder. And also to be thankful for just the freedoms we do enjoy. But it's interesting the limited understanding and definition of freedom that we have acquired here in America. Now, on the 4th of July, we celebrate freedom. But the only way we construe that freedom is in a political sense. I am free to do anything I want. That's not really true, is it? You're not free to do anything you want. I mean, you're free to choose to do anything you want. You may be in jail for it. Because the U.S. is free to choose to throw you in jail, right? There's a lot of freedom here. So sometimes we hear this word freedom, it's like nobody tells me what to do. You want to bet? Go out there on Forest Avenue and drive 60 miles an hour. Oh. <laughs> You're going to have men in uniform telling you what to do. You're going to have citizens telling you what to do. And all of a sudden, you're going to go, am I really free? Well, we understand that in a political sense, the freedom is the fact that, look, I can vote my choice. I can say things that I believe without having to get censored by the government. You may be censored by society, but at least from a political point of view, you have the freedom to say that. You have the freedom to vote, and certainly that's a wonderful freedom to have. But God has a deeper definition of freedom. And that's not relegated to a certain day of the week. That's supposed to be a way of life. And God's idea of freedom says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we with unveiled faces are being transformed with increasing measure into what? His image with ever-increasing glory. I am being transformed. I am free to change. That is true freedom. And wherever the Spirit of God is, He unleashes that freedom to become. Not a freedom just to do anything I want, but a freedom to become the person God created me to be. Picture yourself in a prison. The food is rotten. Your rights are now gone. You are totally at the mercy of the governing authorities, and you are confined. What would be going through your mind? Let's read what was going through Paul's life. You see, because even though he's in prison, the Spirit of the Lord is there. In Philippians chapter 2, listen to what he says. Chained there in prison. Verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, 
having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We're going to read some more there. But this is written by a guy in prison. He doesn't have the freedom to walk around anymore. He doesn't have the freedom to assemble. He doesn't have all that's been taken away. And what is he talking about? Hey, do you have any encouragement from me tonight? Encouragement. Why you're in prison? Why talk about that? Why don't you talk about how you have been wrong? No, any encouragement. Do you have any comfort from his life? It's encouragement to get in prison. How much comfort? Well, God loves you. Great. I'm in prison. I mean, that's what we think. But see, Paul's a free man. He is free to change. Prison cannot change the soul. We allow things to change our soul. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So what is he doing in this situation? He's changing. He's enjoying freedom. He's becoming more and more like Christ. I say this a lot. We are called to become like Jesus. That doesn't mean become like his personality. Everyone has their own personality. God loves the person. So we're all individuals and we have our specific gifts. But what does it mean to be like Christ? Character wise. He is the perfect human. He is who we were created to be character wise. To be perfectly loving, perfectly serving, perfectly compassionate, perfect everything, the character that we, we strive for. And we all fall short of. But he is the perfect one that we're called to be. And yet, that's just a pie in the sky unless the Spirit of the Lord is in us. And if he's in us, there is freedom. Freedom to change. Freedom to become who we were created to be. Now that's a lifelong process. Some people want the instant stuff. I like oatmeal for breakfast. I do not like instant stuff. That tastes cardboardish, a little open, right? You want the real stuff. But the real stuff takes time. So after that time, you go, this is good. This is good. That's what growth is. It's a process. But it's a statement of freedom. How free are you today? Let's continue with what the prisoners say. Celebrating his freedom. Look at what's consuming his mind. In verse 4, he says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hold on, we're going to keep reading for a second. That's the gospel message. God the Creator sent His Son into a fallen creation. Sin 
destroying the creation that God intended, but God did not give up. He sent his son, but his son made a choice. I will not hold on to the Godhead and be uh, removed. I will go among them. I will take the form of a servant. I come here totally for them, not for me. I gain nothing out of this. This doesn't make me more glorious. I am who I am, but I come to bring them home. And that's why that act of compassion will be acknowledged by all. God became man to bring you home, to bring his creation home, so that you will be forgiven and you will be able to change and start growing to become that character you were created to be. Paul's talking about that in prison. What would you and I talk about in prison? How free are we on the inside? Now, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, if he's not present, there is not freedom. You're a slave to yourself. Well, this sounds great. I like to be unified. I like to be comforted by his love. I like to be encouraged. I like that same spirit. I want to be unified with people. I want to be all of this. But man, it's just like with John was sharing. It's hard, isn't it? So if we read this passage and we go out and we decide, okay, I'm going to do this. And by tomorrow we fail utterly. What happened? Let's keep reading. Verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends. Now why? Anytime you see a therefore, you gotta look why it's there for. <laughs> you gotta read everything that just happened before that, okay? And the fact that God has, has, has reached out to us. Therefore, because of all this, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good The power to change comes from the Spirit of God. The decision to change comes from you and me. The willingness to change comes from us. The will to change comes from God. That's where we mess up. We think, okay, I'm going to get my life right, so we try to do everything in our own power. And we do, rather than opening our hearts and realize it is God who works. I'm working out my salvation. How am I doing that? Opening myself to God as you will, and He now gives me the will and the action to do what I need to do to become. It is God that why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Sometimes we can look at God and think, okay, I'm feeling guilty, I feel bad, my life hasn't been what it should be, I need to get right. But we get right because we just feel bad. And so, okay, I'm gonna will, I'm gonna read my Bible every day. Boy, we do it every day, and man, we're bored. I'm going to pray for X amount of time, and we're bored. I'm going to start out from the church. I'll do the midweeks. I'll do the... And we look at all these like an aspirin in the medicine cast. And somehow that's going to change me. Somehow I'll finally be free to change. And after a while, we're in the same place we always were. And Paul was saying, guys, don't you get it? It is God who works in you to will yeah, yeah. and to act yeah. according 
So that whatever happens in your life, let it happen. You free. You're in the process of changing and becoming. Or you're just going to kind of get psyched out and just, well, let me just try again. No. What will this say? How do we change? Before I say that, let me tell you something. This coming month, the Olympics are going to be in Rio. I think the Olympics are going to be in Rio. I think <laughs> things up, but uh, they're going to be there. Michael Phelps is going to swim again. This is the fifth Olympics. This guy ought to be nicknamed, you know, Fort Knox. He has more gold than I think the U.S. government. I mean, gold, and he's going to make it again. See how many gold he can get. But I'm going to tell you something you will not see. You will see Michael Phelps get up and die and swim his heart out. Here's what you will not see. Michael Phelps get up on the platform and then attach a lead weight belt to himself and take his mark and die and swim. Now, why won't you see that? Divers use those weight belts. People who go in the water use those weight belts. Well, then why, why won't Michael Phelps do that? You know why? It goes against the very objective that he's trying to accomplish. It goes against it. You try and take as much weight off as you can. Why? The goal is to swim as fast as you can. If you attach weight to yourself, it's like, what are you doing? You're going against the very thing you're supposed to do. Well, divers do it. You're not supposed to be a diver. Well, they're in the water, but it's a different thing. You've got to take that well. There are things in our lives that are like that weight. Yes. We've been called to swim this race. And yet we get up and we attach that weight belt and we swim and we wonder, what's going on? Why is this not working? I read these wonderful Bible passages, but I don't experience it in my life. Or I've tried before, but I really got hurt, I really got burned. Therefore, it's almost like God can't do anything anymore. What area of your life would you like to really change? Because I guarantee you, God wants to work to will and to act on your behalf in your life. What area is it? Let me just take one area, okay? And then you can apply it to anything in your life. Let's look at Matthew 6. Before we see exactly how to change, and there's two ways we're going to talk, two important ingredients for us opening our lives to God in order to change. Before we look at that, look at Matthew 6. Just so we can have a specific idea. I don't want to say generalities. Uh, there are times I enjoy dealing in generalities because generalities give me the feeling like I'm doing something. But after a while, I see, wow, I'm still at the same place I am. <laughs> How'd that happen? I didn't get specific. Oh, I need to change. Yeah, of course. Of course I need to change. What specific do I need? Ah, now God specifically will act in my life. Look at this, Matthew 6. Let's just take this as an example. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've got self-indulgence or God's seed. That's the choice. What do you value? Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Everything about yourself or everything about God? It's one or the other. And to swim this race, if it's about yourself, you're attaching the leg to your waist as you die. If it's about God, you're taking the lead off and you're swimming the way you want to swim. Even the greatest gifts we have, our jobs, our families, our health, our activities, our work, those are wonderful, enjoy them, love them, but they're not good enough to be our God. They are a yes from God. Do you know what God did when he freed the children of Israel from Egypt? He gave them the Egyptian gold. They left Egypt, the Exodus, with sacks full of gold. And it was Egyptian gold. I mean, it was a very prosperous thing. God has blessed them. What did they do when they got out of the desert? Took that gold, made a golden calf, and bowed down to us. What do we do with jobs, health, family, activities, hobbies? They're great to be fashioned a golden calf. Is our life really about seeking God and being who it was about self-indulgence? Jesus says, where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. What we really, really know. So keep that in mind. I'll use this as an example, okay? Self-indulgence, or but you could put this to lust, to pride, to deceit, to bitterness. You put anything in there that you want to change, it'll all fit. Two things we have to do to change. Number one, you've got to win the battle of the mind. Look over it in Romans chapter 12. The mind gives our will the information that it makes decisions upon. When I will to do something, when I decide I'm going to do something, you know why I've decided that? My mind. My mind has gathered information, says this is the best, and so act this way. And I will act. It's based on my thinking. In Romans 12, here's what the Spirit tells us. Verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove God's will, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Why is it sometimes that we find ourselves falling back into self-indulgence? Because we don't know how to please God. We don't, we don't, our minds aren't filled with that. Why? Our minds are conformed to the pattern of the world. We adopt all of our cultural values. We adopt all of our, you know, how we were raised values, all this. But not going, God, what do you think? I want my mind transformed. Bill Hall wrote an outstanding book on conversion and discipleship. You can't have one without the other. And in there, when he's talking about this process of our minds being transformed, because when we start thinking different, all of a sudden, 
we unleash. The Spirit has always been wanting to work, but we get out of His way. But if we're still conformed to the ways of the world, He's not going to work. We won't be free to change. It'll be the same old thing. All right? Same old thing. So, what are the three areas? Let me just read what he said here. Three areas that need to conform, be transformed to God's will. Ideas, number one. Those are beliefs based on our life experiences and worldview. Images, they are concrete and specific pictures or memories come to our mind. And feelings, those are passions and desires. So here's what happens. Let's go back to the self-indulgence or the seeking God. Okay? Self-indulgence. What's the idea that is in my mind when I'm, I'm being conformed to the ways of the world? The idea is that I've got to be happy. It's all about me. That's the idea. Now, one of the images that come to my mind, all of the advertisements that we see on TV, all of the stories of famous people, you did this and you need it happen to you. Or the lottery model, hey, you never know. You know, these are the images that come to our mind. We picture ourselves happy. If I just indulge myself, then this is how it's going to be. And then what's the passion that all of a sudden we start getting excited and we get emotionally connected to that image? And then some fool comes along and tells us to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. Okay, you know that's right. But guess what? My idea. My image and my passion are not in line. So what I do is I hear that. Fuck it, well, that makes sense. Intellectually, I agree. But I never change. I never change. Why? I'm so conformed to the world. I am not being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm not going to God and saying, okay, Lord, this is, I have all these desires, everything's going crazy, I, I just want to be happy, I just want to do this, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Oh, so what do you want me to do? Let me study, because you will develop a will in me to pursue what's right. You will act on my behalf. You will help me put into action. And that's when the change starts happening. My mind becomes transformed, it becomes renewed. And now the information is coming into me is from God himself. God, the creator that knows what's best for me. I think about it so often. You think about the, the times you know, we gave over to self-indulgence and the ideas and the image and the feelings there. And they weren't of God. They were of this world. And it caused us to quit, to adopt lukewarmness, to just kind of get through, want to get it over with. The expectancy wasn't there, the excitement wasn't there, certainly the experience of God's not there. But we're doing the right thing. I think it's tiring, doesn't it? Yeah. What would have happened if Peter had just given himself self-indulgence in John 6? Everything was exciting. Great new movement started. Jesus is, is the best thing. And then everybody deserts Jesus. 
because of his preaching. He says, you have got to live not just, you know, believe. Everyone believes. What would happen? He, he asked Peter, he says, and the twelve, do you want to leave too? And Peter goes, Lord, I you alone have the words of eternal life. He was that close. I mean, it wasn't like Peter all of a sudden came out and said, oh, no, I don't regret a thing I've done. No, he just goes, Peter's like, oh, no, you alone have the words of eternal life. But this is that. I am not that. This is not the idea. This is certainly not the image. And this is not the feeling I was going for. But what did he do? You alone have the words of He kept his mind open to being transformed by the Spirit of God. And do you know what he Month goes by. So sure enough, how's that thing you're walking? 
this change. That's where we approach things. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And God wants to help us change. So, we got to win the battle of mind, but the other thing we have to do is once we do that, we have to train ourselves to be God. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Train ourselves to be godly is actually something Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, right around verse 17. But I want us to look at this passage uh, in closing, just there in Hebrews. Hebrews is one of these books that we always need to come to whenever we're just feeling tired spiritually. It's for tired Christians. Before when wow, things have just gotten hard. You want to go. Hebrews is the one you go to. I'll help you get right back in there. Hebrews chapter 5. Look what he says. Verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, we need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need no one. Not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves. Change comes from training. The Spirit of the Lord is the one who gives us the power to us. God causes us to will to act, but the actual process of change is engineered by training. What is training? You do the same thing over and over and over again until it takes, <coughs> until it becomes habitual. And as habits go for another few months, guess what? Character. It becomes character. That's training. What happened to these people? They quit training. And so now they need to be taught again. They should have been teachers. Think about in your life. Go back to our example of the self-ability for God's seeking. Guess what? You can make a decision. Today, I'm going to seek God, and I'm quit being self-indulgent. You're in for a battle. You're in for a battle. So what do you do with the battle? You take one day at a time, and you do what God would feel. And you do it continually. And you pray, and you open your heart, God give me the strength. And then tomorrow when you wake up, you know what you do? You take it again. And you do it again. And then Tuesday when you wake up, you do, you do it again. You do it again. But you know what's going to happen eventually? All of a sudden, it's not the effort it used to be. Why? Because it's becoming part of you. It's becoming who you are. And the Spirit is shaping you and transforming you. And you're feeling this sense of freedom. You remember how you, you always used to live in the sense of, I ought to do this, I ought to do this. But now it's no longer off because you are in heaven. And you're not perfect. You've got a ways to go. But through constant use, you have trained yourself. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just, okay, God, you're going to go back. You do it. Here I am. You're part of it. You've got to be engaged. You walk with God. So what do you need to change? And put that before you. I like the singers to come up and get ready. They're going to close us out. And as, as you're doing that, I want you to think about this. We all 
really love change. Now, some change is scary. See, I, I know, oh, things are changing. But we all want to change in and of ourselves. Sometimes we go about that the wrong way. We take our own ideas, and it's like attaching that lead bell trying to compete and swim. And you wonder, why do I keep sabotaging myself? You've got to do it. Look, what is God? God wants the will to act in my life. But I've got to humble out. I've got to be ready. We want that change. We want to experience with the Spirit of the Lord there is freedom. We're going to have firecrackers and everything tomorrow. Celebrating America's birth and freedom. But you know what? That did not come cheap. That did not come because a bunch of guys got together and said, you know what, guys, I have a good idea. First of all, I'm always fantastic. So let's do this. Let's just stick it to old King George, all right? That'll be a fun thing. Let's write this letter and go. No, they knew. Benjamin Franklin said, you know, if we don't hang together, we will hang separately. <laughs> Everyone that wrote that document knew basically they were signing a confession of execution. That was what they were going to do. And if you've ever read the document, I love how it ends. Here are the concluding words of the Declaration of Independence of Freedom. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Sometimes there are books written about the guys that signed the Declaration. You go and read what it cost them when the British got hold of their stuff. They pledged to who they pledged to each other. Our lives, our fortunes, your bank account, everything owned and hooked up, and your sacred honor. That's what they pledged. And we celebrate freedom is born. Jesus pledged more than that. Not only his life, but his continual he pledged to bring us from here all the way to home and to experience the life he lived right now while we're getting prepared and while we're changing. That was his pledge to us. It is not cheap. And our response cannot be cheap. But I guarantee you this. Just like we have parties on the 4th of July, that's the joy we all we want to say, I follow Jesus, I am a Christian, and you know what? Here's what I experience. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, I am free to become everything. We're going to stand, and let's close out. I'll close this out with a prayer, and then we'll have a closing song, and have a great day of fellowship, and you guys be very careful. Okay? Don't play with fireworks, all right? I'm going to run it. Let's stand. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to change. We know that salvation is not forgiveness only, but it's forgiveness 
and becoming like you. Thank you that that doesn't come about because of our powerlessness, because you are involved. Father, I pray for everyone here, for those that do not know you yet, Father, help them to see what you've done for them in Jesus. How he came, he died, so that their sins could be forgiven and they could live the life they're created to live. For those of us that are disciples, help us to go back and remember, Father, the commitment we made that Jesus is Lord. Help us to celebrate and enjoy that where your spirit is, there is freedom as we change. And I pray that our minds, will be transformed and renewed by you. I pray, Father, that we will train ourselves and that we will do that every day. And by doing that, Father, we will become more like your son. Thank you for everyone here. We pray that you will keep everyone safe this weekend. We thank you. We give you the glory and the honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.